What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by Armchair Critics of the Game. I'm your host, Ajit. In today's episode, we have a special returning guest, Aryan. Hello, Aryan. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Ajit. Yeah, we were discussing off-air. Been a couple of uh, months, almost close to a year between episodes. I get to read uh, some of your articles that you write for Guerrilla Cricket and other places but uh, how have you been doing how are things going as a cricket journalist yeah so ajit currently i am pursuing this as a full time job i do not have a press box accreditation so to say what i'm doing currently is going to cricket matches upon my analytical eye and trying to cover as much cricket as possible uh, the best part about writing for gorilla cricket is that they offer me a lot of creative freedom i can leverage that and try and bring as many analytical elements as possible and the focus has been simple just to blend the two worlds of storytelling and data driven work together to form these fascinating features and i hope you have been able to derive some enjoyment out of my work absolutely so at least i find your uh, the writing style very entertaining so i hope uh, you know uh, you can get more and more opportunities and keep growing if you were to go into the cricketing uh, games this week First of all I think let's start right away with the World Test Championship finalists. It started with India and Australia the fourth test. Were you first of all expecting that the pitch would be a little different for the fourth test? Let's start there. Um yeah Ajit so uh, just harking back to the third test I think uh, I was having discussion Shikhar Rangarajan heads for cricket buzz. So everyone was surprised with the way India capitulated in the first session at Indore. But uh, if you look back at it uh, the first two test went india's way primarily because they made uh, rank turners and the ball was doing a lot there was variable bounce on offer and especially from day 3 onwards or day 2 evening session onwards the pitch deteriorated quite a lot so i think it didn't make sense for india to waver from that set formula but obviously it backfired in indore and uh, amdavad i mean after having seen that india's batting order was as susceptible to quality spin and when the ball just turns appreciably i think india backtracked on that plan and they laid out a pretty sporting track and that reflected in how the game panned out would you call that a sporting track or just a more sedate track a very uh, you know uh, anodyne track yeah i mean there was uh, nothing in it for the spinners to be honest and uh, it was pretty docile but still it was a slow turner i mean it wasn't uh, a pitch where you could hit through the line uh, both the batters usman khwaja virat kohli and shubman gill also who ground out centuries uh, had to like be persistent enough 
on the crease and be very consistent with your shot selection it wasn't a pitch which you could term as the bit in my opinion so first of all australia took the time they batted for nearly 2 days making a big score almost ensuring there is no way back for india to win the game so probably they would be very happy with the returns so a big 100 for khwaja 100 for cameron green the first of what we hope to be a very promising career so for you surprises that uh, there were no big scores from smith or uh, labushkangne yeah to be honest they had uh, quite an underwhelming returns uh, the whole series because uh, they are the two most dependable batters australia have in their lineup and uh, a lot of the chatter coming into the border coffee how india are going to keep a tap on smith and labushkan uh, they had this plan that they were not uh, going to get beaten on the inside edge they were happy and content being beaten on the outside edge and uh, i read a, a twitter thread today uh, which suggested that smith cleared a lot of deliveries in the danger zone which batters are not advised to in indian conditions that is this middle range between back foot and front foot where you are susceptible and vulnerable to playing almost on a half half compact front foot strike so yeah um there were a few dismissals which were soft in nature uh, like smith getting out to mohammad shami just getting trapped in the crease and playing off the backward to a delivery that could have been played on the front foot and uh, smith getting bowled to jadeja uh, just camping back in the crease again so i think yeah they could have converted those starts they looked assured for most of the part they were at the crease uh, both of them showed good technique against spin as they possess but it wasn't to be Mm, and for uh, green to score his first 100 away from home uh, does it surprise you at all or is it just par for the course it had to happen sometime yeah yeah it's par for the course i mean as ravichandran ashwin has said uh, green seems to be a once in a generation cricketer uh, he's got long levers uses reach very well in the crease and uh, similar to how aksar patel does it uh, he has that power game as well and uses the depth of the crease brilliantly so it was lovely to see him back he found the right tempo uh, in ahmedabad uh, you know i uh, just uh, reiterating the point that you had to find that right tempo when you played in ahmedabad because it pitched uh, we just had to be slightly patient as a batter you can't go out looking for runs too much because there was this odd ball running a bit on odd ball scooting low although it was a docile pitch i, I know but still uh, like all the centuries we thought there were phases where batters had to really shut shop and just play out some balls i think even shubman gill in cheteshwar pujara played out a phase where 96 balls went without a boundary so that is just indicative of how sometimes batters had to play possum on that sort of a track and cameron green struck that wonderful equilibrium between those two credos yeah. he he found the right pace because at least halfway through that partnership he was able to accelerate and khwaja played the proper ranker role he sat on the indians almost and took up i think 8 hours of batting and then made sure you know he showed what he's made of actually uh, so it was an interesting thing he himself tweeted saying uh, never gone away always here not a comeback don't call this a comeback right so because he's so sick of people calling his own uh, you know his own big scores is always a comeback he says i've always been here don't call this a comeback again i think somebody who is sort of coming good towards the end of his career because a lot was always expected of him and i think an average of 48 as you near the end of the career is not at all bad 
Yeah, absolutely. I have been quite impressed by Osman Khawaja, and especially with the restraint and application he's shown at the crease, because uh, he was typecasted as someone who doesn't really fare well in the subcontinent, didn't get too many chances on the previous two tours, uh, but he's shown everyone how to strike that tempo we're talking about again and again. Uh, I think he was disappointed with the sweep shot he played in Indore because he was really. looking set for a daddy 100 and suddenly his innings was cut short by a rash shot you'd say because that was the first time he attempted that shot in indore and maybe it was not well thought through it is his shot it is a part of his armory but still considering the game scenario and the way things were poised at that moment maybe he could have you know skewed that so yeah he compensated purely for it in the amdavad game and i think uh, it was largely down to khwaja's efforts that australia were able to post such a massive score just the time occupation at the crease and the way he went about his business with graceful serenity it was just like he was an immovable object at the crease absolutely so that made sure you know the other people can accelerate so even lyon and murphy showed it right they just refused to give their wickets away and there were runs to be had you have to start slow but then you could pick it up once uh, you got in right and they showed it very nicely so india came into bat with certain amount of pressure on them but um, i think they started in the right way so i was actually expecting rohit also to get a big one because he's sort of had a middling series are you happy with how rohit is going rohit the player actually yeah yeah he's uh, been shaping up well in test cricket he's got hundreds in england and uh, also got a very fighting century against south africa at home because i remember that spell uh, kagishwar abada and uh, arnik nokia were bowling i think it was wizag and they just really uh, blunted the balls in their opening session uh, he looked ugly but he fought it out and uh, uh, he started the border gavaskar trophy on a promising note uh, scored a century in nagpur but then uh, mm. his returns went on the wing a little any mentioned it in the press conference that after the head start he got in the series he would have looked to capitalize on that but uh, it couldn't really go that way and that's exactly what i was talking about in the beginning that it was that sort of a track track amdavad where you were uh, vulnerable to that odd sticking out from the surface or just the uh, scooting low and just going through your defenses because uh, rohit faced that right uh, it wouldn't be called like uh, goofy short selection because the ball actually uh, stopped a little on on him and uh, even in the dismissals where you see the back foot going to covers there's always an element of spongy bounce so i think uh, rohit as a whole in this series uh, would be slightly disappointed to not cash in and make it really big like a really mm. prolific series after the head start in nagpur but uh, as a whole if you see how his intent has been how he's looked to dominate the opposition never let them settle into a rhythm and he's spoken about that throughout like he's always said that there could be different ways you could go about your proactivity business but it's very important to find that right gear so that you are transferring the pressure back on to such a quality bowling attack like nathan lyon coolman and todd murphy the latter two like taking to international cricket like a duck to water so you needed to transfer the pressure back you couldn't be sitting just waiting for the loose balls because there weren't too many on offer are you are absolutely right i think uh, they got a lot of uh, praise from their opposition as well which is a good measure of how much they were respected as the series went on murphy and um, 
konuman and i mean this is also some joking around right so finally konuman got a session with jadeja but he had to wait till the end of the series right and uh, they got into a discussion about how to bowl how to bowl well on tracks which don't support you much and so on yeah absolutely ajit i mean rahul dravid has put them in the same bracket as monty panesar and graham sol so that is obviously high standards and even ashwin in his youtube channel mentioned that the composure tom murphy in particular showed bowling from over the wicket round the wicket uh, he is a slightly different fundamental bowler as compared to nathan lyon he relies more on side spin rather than over spin uh, which is lyon's way to go but Uh, despite the modus operandi being slightly different he stuck to his lines maintained the pressure on the indian batters his flatter trajectory actually disallows stepping out of the track a lot and it was just wonderful to see him bowl uh, being a rookie in indian conditions i think nathan lyon when he came to india he already had the sri lankan tour under his belt so there was some previous experience uh, so to say but in lyon in murphy's case he was really raw and fresh and then to produce a display like this it's absolutely phenomenal no indeed he looks like somebody who might yeah who might be here for the long haul the goat as they call him nathan lyon is coming to the end of a storied career so it might be that he might have enough tests to hand over the mantle to todd murphy looks like the one that might inherit the mantle yeah absolutely and nathan lyon has been coming to the end of a decorated career and it would be great if todd murphy and Matthew Pullman because they have shown the potential they can take it forward from here and the ring of the baton can be a smooth transition going forward right now then comes the question who will finish with more uh, wickets do you think because even ashwin is not very far off probably from the end who will finish with more wickets at the end of their career lion or uh, ashwin when it comes to tests i think ashwin would pip lion to the post uh, because you know although uh, again as we said between murphy and lyon they are two fundamentally different bowlers cut from different clothes uh, lyon has tremendous belief in his stock ball doesn't have all the tricks in the trade but ashwin is you know spin scientist as they say and he has all the tricks in the bag the carom ball the flipper uh, the one that comes out of the hand straight out of the hand the slider so he's got that whole repertoire of deliveries um, but just the fact that ashwin plays a lot more in the subcontinent that gives him an edge in the wickets column and uh, even his returns recently in overseas games uh, you see how he performed against australia in the border gavaskar trophy down under where he got smith trapped in the leg leg slip cordon and uh, laushan as well fell prey to him in this series and the previous one so i think ashwin in the long run will just have an advantage over lyon well let's see if that indeed materializes we know ashwin can bat a bit more than lion but also i think there are enough critics of his uh, when it comes to his performances in the sena countries but maybe we'll save that for another uh, episode but going on another much awaited 100 something that's been 3 years in the making apparently virat kohli so does that uh, make you happy as an indian cricket fan finally virat kohli has had this bugbear off his back now Yeah, yeah, getting that monkey off the bag has been huge for Kohli. It has been an enjoyable experience watching that hundred. It was. It had threads running from his Cape Town seventy odd, if you remember. He really gritted it out in that innings, and even Dravid mentioned at the end when they had the chat after the Ahmedabad test, because he uh, was out uh, in that South African series, like fishing to wide deliveries, which was so out of character for a player. 
as gritty and as dogmatic as Virat Kohli, but he showed signs of that pure gumption and just application at the crease. I think there were phases where he went without a boundary and just went in singles and doubles. He used his fitness to the optimum, and it was just a classic test at Krishna Lok. And it was very similar to how Khwaja constructed his innings because there was restraint in its paramount capacity because. Khwaja cut out the drive for most of his innings by and large, and uh, Virat didn't go for any eight shots as has always been the hallmark of his Test knocks. All the double centuries he's got, he's never really taken the aerial route, and it was just pure classic match. Absolutely. So now I, I dare say a hundred in each format in the international level in about four months' time. In about four months' period, he's had four hundreds. Is this a resurgence we'll see, or is this just the candle sort of? As they say, it gets brighter before the end. Uh, no, I think he has plenty of cricket left in him at the moment. Uh, just considering his fitness levels, I think he's very different to someone like Rohit Sharma because he's really at the top of the league when it comes to like athletic ability. So I hope there's uh, plenty left in the tank. And just considering it from a standpoint of where his runs uh, were hurtful to his own being, uh, like for example, he's talked about how. He was not being able to contribute to the best of his ability. When Dravid spoke about uh, how uh, the pressure was growing around when that three-figure mark will come, he had gone almost 1,200 days without a Test hundred. So Dravid spoke to him about whether he was playing on his mind. Uh, but he actually made a very uh, good point that it was never about his own contribution. It was about how much he can bat time, how much he can contribute to the greater good, to the larger scheme of things, and. That was making him itch a bit that he was not being to harness his potential to the fullest. And once uh, he got into that groove, I think he mentioned specifically that he was feeling in good good throughout the series. He was uh, defending spinners very well off the front foot, uh, going back deep in the crease of the back foot, and he was looking in really much. Uh, there were some unlucky dismissals like strangled down the leg once in a while, and uh, somehow just uh, little errors in judgment of line length. By and large, his innings were really well composed throughout the series. So it was just a very beautiful culmination that he ended the series on a high note, and it was just reiterative of how Kohli has always been like a player, always putting the team ahead of himself. And I just found it very insightful listening from the man himself that he uh, was actually uh, feeling disappointed that he wasn't able to express himself fully. And now that he's back into his groove, you can expect a lot more from from what is clearly a champion cricketer. Absolutely. I was thinking if it really doesn't get going well, end of 2023 World Cup, he might take certain decisions. But now maybe a little bit longer. But uh, let's see how far he's able to keep that motivation going and you know keep firing along uh, on all cylinders, as we know. Ajit, uh, just uh, before we move on to the next topic, uh, do you feel uh, there was a pivotal moment in the series where Australia actually scored an advantage? Because in the Delhi Test, uh, India was slated to bat last. And Australia had a lovely 60-run lead going on for them with Travis Head coming out all this blazing. And suddenly, the way they imploded on the third morning, the first session, uh, a word on that and how that sort of uh, played out as a watershed moment in the series. Absolutely. Look, uh, that was an indeed uh, important point. Had they come out on that day and done a little bit more, uh, they could have taken the series to all, or even they could have seri- taken the series to one, maybe. Right? India would have. There is a chance India would have gone into the last uh, test under pressure, two one down, maybe. Correct. All they needed was probably 150 runs, 
uh, and uh, they could have had india really in trouble in that second test but okay it was not to be and for me it was for the good i was i would have been disappointed if india did not make the world test championship final having a series at yeah. hand um at home uh, against uh, you know uh, well australia is never an easy competitor but at home india would do their best right um so yeah. then i think it was lucky that australia uh, stumbled a bit on that day and india were able to take the opportunity to, to first of all take the series so the moment the series became too nil that means you know india will not lose the series and then they could play to their strengths but well they needed one more uh, decision to fall uh, in their way which it did so let's quickly go and have a chat on that one new zealand did india favor so india already knew going into the last day of the series that they had qualified for the world test championship so were you able to catch maybe the highlights of this amazing game between sri lanka and uh, new zealand yeah i was watching bits and pieces of it on twitter uh, but i didn't really tune into the entire game because uh, obviously india and australia was going on simultaneously and uh, me being a Indian correspondent for Gorilla Cricket. My role was confined to writing features. So obviously, uh, it is a very creatively demanding process writing a feature from nine o'clock in the morning to five thirty in the evening uh, till the session goes on. Uh, you are jotting down these notes and then compile it into a very nice feature that makes people read it. So I wasn't able to like pay uh, a lot of attention to it. But yeah, from the looks of it, it was a humdinger and uh, a very thrilling contest. well going into the last day it was not even sure if you know there would be any game because uh, rain started the day and we were all thinking i i i watched it for a few uh, minutes and then i thought oh this looks like a dead pitch if or a dead uh, game because if the game if the rains took away anything more than the 20 overs or so on the day there was a high likelihood new zealand would not have enough time to chase right so yeah. first of all that that went their right way new zealand made a right approach look leading up to the last day we might if we were to look at it there were a couple of really impactful innings that already were played so new zealand mm-hmm. first of all sri lanka batting first made 355 they would be a bit disappointed they were solid scores in the top 6 now nobody was able to carry on make a 100 there right so tim saudi showing his class also tim saudi the skipper sort of in the last two tests having a major comeback so team so they took a 5-4 matt henry took a 4-4 and then when they batted they were in a lot of trouble they could have considered a lead of 100 easily but then darrell mitchell hung in there but with him the tail everybody contributed the last four five contributed and mainly matt henry making that very useful 50 right so they sort of even took a lead when most of us thought they are going to consider a 100 run lead and from that point on Angelo Matthews scoring a hundred, showing he still has it in him. Some decent support from the lower middle order and middle order for Sri Lanka. You would be a bit disappointed if you are a Sri Lanka fan. They couldn't cross a lead of three hundred, but two eighty four was a very serious chase, right? This yeah. it, this was the highest chase achieved in this ground by New Zealand. But then New Zealand started really slow. Tom Latham, I saw he was twenty four and he took eighty balls over it, almost two hours. And Kane Williamson himself. had a strike rate of about 20 at some point in time when him and ladam were batting they were actually not thinking of the result far away i think it was that that click when first henry nichols started making runs but then darrell mitchell again what an effort this game from him yes that is a wonderful explanation of the proceedings yeah so uh, just been pointing on two things uh, kane williamson has had a lean patch recently his returns against england were diminishing and he wasn't successful phase of mind so uh, how does he switch that mode and just be a big match player when the team needs him to be 
uh, i read an article on cricket for today where it uh, was uh, indicated that he takes the power out of those big moments and just plays it very uber cool uh, especially in the 2019 world cup final also for that demeanor of his so uh, just a word on that and secondly uh, new zealand had an underwhelming wtc campaign this time they were the defending champions uh, but they haven't been able to measure up to the expectations i presume that you have been following their fortunes so i would love to hear about them first of all they they were a little bit in transition so indeed you would think as the defending world champions from the first time they would do a bit better but first of all if you look at if you look at their tests they started very underwhelmingly you are absolutely right they lost ross taylor along the way they lost trent bolt along the way and yeah. some of the big some of the big names including uh, saudi right and uh, these these people would feel a bit you know let down that way if you look at it that they couldn't take new zealand again to the world test championship final for me what really hurt new zealand is some of their losses in 2022 in the in the northern hemisphere especially that loss to england that series loss where you would expect they would do a bit better right and um you would also think you know they lost a test match uh, to bangladesh at home in 2022 early on all of this were a bit of a reversal when you think about it new zealand the way i look at it they don't take series uh, 2 nil 3 nil they they would take it 1 nil probably or 2 one something like this it will always be a well contested series but you would expect they would take these tight moments so they would be a bit disappointed at not being able to do that especially away so the new zealand team that came to the world test championship final in the first uh, time had a lot of good results in asian conditions as well they did well in sri lanka they did well against pakistan they didn't have that this time so that's where i think a little bit of you know a little bit of their results didn't go their way and the their position in the world test championship table really does not reflect how well or how badly they have played it's just that sometimes um because because of uh, certain key moments not being correctly played or not being capitalized on i think they they ended up at eight right this is the way i look at it to answer your first question ken williamson i think this is a class player right and he is a member of the fab four i mean i was only recently joking with somebody that um, now kohli has scored runs jorut has found his way back he sort of still there or thereabouts williamson has also found his way back it only it's only now smith if smith had hit 100 in that last test against Engli- uh, india then we would have had the you know the fab four back but you know i think it's you're absolutely right his attitude he can he can basically forget the context he can just think this is me i've been playing for a long time this is the ball this is the bowler i'm going to play the ball not the bowler or i'm going to play the cricket game rather than the situation which is what happens to most of us we get into our own heads we think of the bigger picture we think on what is happening what is not happening and then we make mistakes and we give away our wicket i think kane williamson is completely able to detach himself this is probably a sign of his greatness so also i think for a year or so i thought he lost a little bit of interest at the highest level he had a young he has a young family at home there were some troubles there was knee troubles this was the most important thing i think he was not able to trust his fitness for a while there with his confidence coming back in his fitness he's able to convert them into scores you immediately saw two really pivotal hundreds in two important games both of which new zealand went on to win i would dare say just like how we said about kohli williamson is also back probably another year or two of good cricket left yes sir ji 
definitely and i think uh, ms dhoni also tried to inculcate uh, that sort of mindset within india where the uh, focus would always be on the process and it would be a very process oriented process driven approach and they are they were trying to lessen the heft that india as a cricket country cricket crazy country places on the result so hmm. but that's okay look it's it's completely different i think being uh, an indian cricketer at the highest level the amount of the amount of expectations you carry in not just expectations sometimes even the curses you may carry of people who may have narrowly missed out right is quite something but that doesn't matter i guess so you have to really be able to separate the player uh, you are facing and the situation you are forced into and then you just think that i'm here i've trained i'm going to succeed just by you know banking on my processes what you already said and uh, if you uh, look at it uh, i read it, read a very nice quote in the book by paddy upton the mental conditioning coach uh, he's written a book called barefoot coach so he, uh, in it he advocates that fear of failure and performance pressure are the two single biggest obstacles to high performance sport indeed indeed i mean i can tell you fear of failure is quite something if you are able to deal with it half your battle is already won right exactly the expectation yeah. that you bring uh, that some so sometimes i think that's why kohli fails in the pivotal games in the finals of limited overs series uh, especially world stage simply because of the pressure he puts on himself it was the same with tendulkar i dare say even the great tendulkar may have felt a bit of this uh, on any yeah. other day he would not care about it only in the yeah. finals he almost says i cannot fail today both of these players right no i cannot fail today yeah. my team is depending on me and you would end up failing you have to just say i'm going to go and enjoy myself out there it's fine if i make 20 it's fine if i make 100 right that's when probably yeah. you would probably succeed if you look at the likes of rohit sharma or saurav ganguly probably they are not thinking about the bigger picture at all they are just there to enjoy themselves they are just there to or there may be a battle within a battle something even slightly that plays on the ego of the player himself maybe this bowler got me out last time i'm not going to give him my wicket whatever that is right and then you just build on that yeah and, and we don't have to uh, take our minds too far back down the line because baseball is testimony of what players can do when unleashed absolutely well at least it's it's another new zealander right so he he always played his entire cricket that way i think he never took a back step i i remember in the world cup final of 2019 or uh, 2015 when they lost to australia he came out and there is there there was a very interesting discussion between the australian keeper and him where mm-hmm. australian keeper wound him up and then he ended up getting out to uh, mitchell stark in the very first over but that was the talismanic player if he had gotten off to a start we knew probably new zealand stood a chance against that australian 11 right so that guy never takes a step back i think that's how his mentality is that's how he makes a living and he's been able to inculcate that brendan mccallum into his players his wards he he's had a couple of less than successful stints he's been a coach of um, kolkata knight riders as well previously right so they weren't able to achieve a whole lot but they they once went to final when he was the coach with oyen morgan the captain right they were able to play that fearless brand of cricket he's now able to inculcate the same sense into the english national team and you see people like johnny bersto with the shackles broken people like zack crawley i was more like yeah. talking about zack crawley so these people and joe root now sort of trying to find a new position for himself playing more at a odi manner right sort of almost yeah, like definitely. so that there was a joke right on twitter uh, joe root is actually auditioning for the one day world cup but he's playing in white for england right <laughs> so uh, moving on so if you were to now yeah. have a quick chat about the 
South Africa and West Indies test. Well, West Indies would feel really let down by the way they ended that series because the first test they lost, but they were in the contest throughout. And you thought, you know, chasing 250 on the last uh, innings in the first test, they let themselves down a little bit. But right through the second test, you could see one test was keener to win than the other. One team was keener to win than the other because batting first, South Africa put a solid foot forward. This was actually a challenging pitch. Huh? It is South Africa didn't make it look like that when their top three or four batted. Temba Bohuma finally made some runs. At least in the first test, uh, first innings, he already made 28, which was a lot more than what he made in the first test. And then their middle order sort of failed. Otherwise, this was a 500 for the taking as far as South Africa was concerned. And West Indies, I think I, I was I was sort of mentioning this to someone again. So West Indies seem to play every test, every away test as if that's their first away test. So they forget the learnings that they could have taken from their first away test in South Africa or in a practice game. They they started the second test as if it was their first game on tour. So, but by the afternoon, they had become better by when sort of South Africa suffered a collapse. So, Gudakesh Moti, he was included. So, both teams included spinners. So, two to spinners each. And then Alzari Joseph uh, did some fast, good, incisive bowling and that meant South Africa were kept to 320. But then West Indies, see, again, you have it, you have a chance here. If you take a lead of 50 or 60, you know, you can then sort of take a commanding position in the game and maybe put South Africa under pressure. They couldn't do that. So it took Jason Holder and sort of the all-rounders, Roston Chase, Kyle Myers, the keeper, Joshua De Silva. These people scored the runs. The top four were completely missing, right? This is when the top four had to step up. And with the contribution from the tail, you would have gotten to 450, which is which would have been fantastic on that pitch. But South Africa also deserve a lot of credit. Bavuma is a great captain for me. He is able to inspire his um, players to go beyond what they can do and sort of deliver a win. So, And he did that with the bat. So in the second innings, they were in a lot of trouble. So even though they had a decent lead at 5 for uh, 103, if South Africa had lost control and if they were 150 all out, West Indies would be back in the game, again, chasing something around 260 or 270. He stood up, he made his biggest score, second 100, 172, and I was very disappointed he couldn't get to 200. So, I don't know how much of this test you were able to follow. I wasn't able to keep a tab uh, on the entire series, uh, but I did check out some individual performances and I was quite impressed by how Tony DiZorzi batted. I think uh, the likes of Keegan mm. Peterson and Tony DiZorzi, these guys uh, coming into the scene and... Uh, the old heads like Tiemba Mabuma scoring the runs again. I think it just uh, gives the South African fa uh, fans something of substance to enjoy, uh, especially after the SAT20, uh, the environment in South African cricket in terms of watching cricket and the passion, enthusiasm for the game on the upshot. And the green shoots are finally appearing. Look, uh, Peterson, yeah, he did good at the start. He couldn't really convert after that. So I'm hoping Tony Desorzi does better than him. Right, yeah. and he's able to uh, come back and do well and continue to do well. So also away from home, right, in seeming conditions, for example, or in subcontinental conditions. But this guy has a nice temperament. That's what I noticed with Tony Dizorzi. You found that right. And then in the last innings, look, probably the result was beyond doubt. You can't see this West Indian team chasing 391, but again, complete collapse at uh, 34 for six. You didn't have any doubt which way the result was going. I mean, that, that left me with a lot of pain because I want to see West Indian cricket succeed. I have a lot of uh, liking for the way they play their cricket. But then in the first 
let's say 10 overs the game was finished by the spinner simon harmer and keshav maharaj keshav maharaj even got badly injured trying to celebrate because he asked his captain to review and the captain said no probably but then he convinced his captain to review and it was out indeed right that was the sixth wicket west indian wicket to fall and he injured himself but outside of that there was not a lot left to write home about at all from 34 for 6 even without one of their spinners even without one of their other bowlers they were simply able to go on and get the finish the game off so that for me filled filled me as a test match fan with a lot of disappointment the way west indians played because i remember uh, in our last episode i even said maybe west indies can draw the series one all if they are able to you know hold their head yeah. they completely lost that so um this was sort of on the bylines the main series we were watching was new zealand sri lanka and india australia of course now that the finalists are decided before we go away from this uh, test match uh, discussions who do you think will win the world test championship this time i think india has uh, a very good chance of winning uh, because they have been performing overseas well in recent times and the biggest reason for that overall has been the contributions of the top order batters like we've seen the likes of kl rahul and rohit sharma score those runs in the english conditions which has always been a bugbear of the indian batters like we've never really gotten off to blazing starts in test in england so just that box being ticked is a positive sign and i don't know how much bumrah's absence will impact because it is obviously be a huge factor but then he's been out of action for quite a while while now and siraj mohammad shami uh, even umesh yadav in indian conditions as his role as a workhorse they've been doing exceedingly well and india can rely on the supporting people like have a good account of themselves going back to uh, the keshav varaj incident yeah you mentioned it hmm. it was a addition to the long list of injuries is uh, witnessed in recent times i mean johnny besto injuring himself on the golf course and uh, right. glen maxwell uh, running around birthday the party. basketball court yeah basketball birthday party yeah, yeah i think yeah and the keshav maharaj obviously injuring himself uh, while the wicket celebration he is also uh, ruled out of the mixed i think absolutely i mean he had a county stint lined up as well we don't know if he'll be fit enough to make the county stint it's a it's a long injury so it might take him 6 to 8 weeks they're saying and the england county stint starts not long from now so it's unfortunate but we really hope you know these freak injuries stop so we are at a freak injuries that are you know taking months and months bumrah himself that's more stress related but he's injured out of shreyas ayer had a injury in the last uh, second in the second test he couldn't come out to bat so plenty of these things going around let's hope you know uh, it's probably players pushing themselves a little bit more during training but that that's the way it is played you have to be at 110% while you're on the field and there's no excuse yeah, if you're not so sometimes it it may result in some injuries but okay now um that was one of the questions i had to ask you the other one india are actually appealing icc's um, decision about the indoor pitch do you see any merit for that so the reason have heard is that uh, the third umpire actually was hasty in his decision to rate it poor because uh, generally the icc uh, takes a bit of time under these matters uh, they like give give it a thorough consideration uh, and uh, i think it was a little rough because the third umpire's verdict was based largely on how the first session played out like there was a little bit of moisture in the pitch and india just imploded so it made it look a lot worse than it would actually was because if you follow the trajectory of the game after that uh, the batting conditions were not 
too threatening. I mean, the odd ball was turning and it was zipping sharply up the track. But batters who uh, stood their ground and were able to show some application were able to score well. I mean, Khwaja got a lovely 70. And he was able to bat positively. Peter Hanscombe got runs, I think. So, hmm. I think uh, uh, it was a slightly rushed decision and there were f- fair grounds of appealing that. Let's see. Let's see. So, look, there was earlier a Pakistan test which... Uh... I think produced 17 or 18 wickets in uh, yeah. five days before, you know, four days before England somehow basketballed a victory, right? That uh, yeah. pitch was rated poor. I, I don't know which is which is worse. So for me, yeah, indeed, lack of application, lack of dead batting. I mean, nobody played out a day for 160, right? No team. You can't see yeah. teams doing that, but probably that's what was required on a pitch like that. So you can't completely say the pitch was blameless, but then there is something about the techniques of the players as well. Yeah. And also, Ajit, uh, one of the questions, one of the questions that was lingering in my mind was, uh, you remember the uh, the fifth test that was rescheduled, uh, the India versus England last one off game that was played in isolation. Uh, England really came out hard. They were just uh, getting started with the baseball doctrine, and India looked listless in that test. They had no answers. They were devoid of ideas of how to control this rampage. So, considering that Australia also have that firepower in terms of Travis Head. And Mamnas Labushan can also play that proactive game. He can be very enterprising when it comes to transferring the pressure onto the spinners. And Smith can, you know, obviously play at that slightly uh, enterprising tempo. So, do you think if in, uh, Australia actually uh, pluck a leaf out of England's book and, you know, just up the ante a bit, could India come under the fire? I dare say Australia will be favourites while playing in England simply because they have had um, better results there. India really depends mm-hmm. on the kind of uh, preparation they're able to get in place because India are not good yeah. travelers and the first test or the first game that they would get to play would never be never be their best, uh, best you know, preparation and best result. So if they're coming out of an IPL and if they're going there because it's in June, it's the first week of June, right? So uh, it, it's going to be a bit tough, I would say, for India. But, you know, they're also consummate professionals. So I expect... Yeah. Australia might start favourites, but India will definitely have something to say about it. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And uh, while we are at it, Akash Chopra broached the idea that because WC is played out over a period of two years, it is slightly unfair to judge the winner by just a one-off game. Uh, you know, uh, as you rightly mentioned, the time plays a crucial factor. And I think uh, at this point, it is quite neck-to-neck because the IPL will be concluding and India would be travelling. So they've already sent those balls to the IPL bowlers and they'll be practicing in the various franchise sessions. But still, uh, do you think uh, having a three-test series as a, as the WTC final makes more sense? I guess so. But will teams be able to make that uh, time in their calendar? Well, for the next World Test Championship final or even two Test Championships finals down the line, probably if you plan it in, that's possible. That's the only way. But then the question is, do all teams make that window free? That's the toughest part, including England or wherever you want to host the final. Let's say next one, it's going to be hosted in, uh, given the places where it can be hosted, you can't host it in subcontinent. It'll be too warm, right? So it'll have to be England. Or you say we host it, next one will be hosted in the Southern Hemisphere. Then it'll have to be the December to February window. So for a three-test series, you'll need at least three weeks, right? If not a little bit more, four weeks maybe. Then would all the teams set aside this, be able to do it? Because you don't know who's going to reach the finals. This is the only problem that we have to tackle. And I guess I would like it if it's a series. But uh, 
yeah is it really realistically possible i don't know <laughs> it it remains to be answered but it might be possible that something yeah. may have to be rearranged then that might still be doable mm. right i i've been uh, reading a lot of jason holder interviews recently and uh, he always makes a lot of sense and he comes across as a person who really understands the international scheduling and the treadmill of national cricket so he also said that because uh, west indies plays a lot less number of games as compared to the powerhouses they are not able to replicate the sort of style that an england or australia some occasions follow uh, that ultra positive game and that brand of cricket so your take on that i mean how have bangladesh uh, west indies people who are at the bottom of the ladder the teams who are on the fringes how they can sort of amp it up and level the playing field when it comes to performances in the wtc campaign because currently it's just like a three horse four horse race look it's very simple right new zealand you may say nobody expected new zealand would have come to the finals rather uh, only they were coming to the final they won it right so it's about consistency both home and away so when you look at new zealand i told you the first time they had good results in asia which is completely alien to them right so then when it comes to west indies we were just discussing that they were unable to put their best foot forward even in helpful conditions conditions that were helpful for their fast bowlers right so it's about being able to convert something that you see as a potential advantage into a result and that can only mostly happen near touring away so the first thing most teams are very strong at home when it comes to test matches they can prepare the pitch and keep the conditions in a way that suits them this is okay but then you still have to win right that's the first thing nothing is a given next thing you need to have at least two or three results while traveling in those two years period which would be a little surprising to start off with so you start well first of all to try and if you have home series you try to cap, uh, convert them into wins series wins so i don't think you need big wins i don't think you need 3 nil 4 nil wins that will definitely help in terms of points but if you consistently do a 1 nil and a 1 all you might be there or there about come 6 months left for the world test championship final that's the way to go about it i would think yeah yeah, yeah. all right now uh, just a quick word on this england bangladesh uh, t20 series so you know england won the first two games of the tour a limited overs tour that is so they took the odi series but then they lost the next four games in a row so you know off air you were mentioning to me bangladesh might finally have turned the corner in their approach to t20is so yeah. would you like to elucidate a bit more on that yeah because shridhar and shriram has been associated with them as a assistant coach and he always wanted bangladesh to unearth their potential and play this aggressive brand of cricket where they are able to impose themselves on the opposition and not be really timid in their approach where they are just staying behind the eight ball and playing wait up waiting game so i think bangladesh were able to dictate terms a lot in the t20i series because obviously after being two nil in supposedly a six game tour they were able to turn a corner as you said and they were able to put such a quality t20i side they are obviously the world cup champions to put them under the sword it was a commendable effort and it was just really enjoyable to follow that series because gorilla cricket uh, as you know being based out of london uh, i do have to like keep churning out new stories about bangladesh in england and whatever series england is involved on so i think yeah it was a very hard fought tested series and i loved the way how bangladesh were able to come on top indeed look first of all the pitches were not that conducive you would not think of these pitches as like the ipl pitches where 200 plays 195 or whatever yeah. so there was some 
uh, assistance to the bowlers be it to the spin bowlers but then you have to also give credit to the way pakistani sorry bangladeshi fast bowlers bowled taskin ahmed was really good mustafuzur rahman really good in the second um, of those games where it was actually bowler dominated but then one guy mehdi hasan miras he did enough he took four wickets for just 12 but then he also made a crucial 20 in the middle order right so it was going to be a close game but that that innings of his where he hit two sixes made sure bangladesh did not have to worry about uh, how to go about winning the game so that was a one man performance but in the third one you saw finally bangladesh sort of coming into their own making uh, putting a good total i think in these pitches 140 is already a very very competitive total because there is some assistance for the slower bowlers and the pitch gets slower as you play on so the second game was played in chittagong the third one in mirpur which was again a tired pitch it was a used pitch so you knew on this pitch even 130 135 could be a strong target they made 158 which i think was about 15 runs above par and then england look they had a platform set up beautifully by malan and butler right in these days expecting to score 60 of the last 7 seven, seven and a half overs in a t20 with about six wickets in hand is pretty much on par from that point on england simply imploded nobody scored so first of all malan got out and then josh butler followed him immediately which was a blow and then they could not cope up with uh, the pressure of the mounting run rate ben duckett underwhelming series in t20s moin ali i was pretty much disappointed with his performances in second uh, in the t20s both with the bat and the ball yes of course uh, if you uh, look at it uh, from a grander perspective uh, the resurgence of bangladesh batting and the removal of coyness from their approach uh, is very similar to how zimbabwe went about their business before they secured qualification for the t20 world uh, so dave uton and lance klusner they play, played a pivotal role in bringing about that uh, mind mm. shift in how you can just uh, be expressive on the field and go about firing on all cylinders uh, rather than just playing dead right well look it's about uh... being strong but being aware of your strength and using it as i told you converting some potential into result actual result that takes a certain amount of uh, strength in the mind and certain amount of probably not overthinking things just go out there and do it that's it right yeah. and probably dave horton who's been uh, quite a lot around the block he's, he's gone many times around the block i must say he probably knows how to get the best out of his own words especially he knows the culture he's also zimbabwean right that helps and lance klusner well he's a champion cricketer and anybody who could perform under pressure it was lance klusner right if you remember so i think he he's able to bring that attitude to zimbabwe similarly shridharan shriraman he's worked with teams across the world in australia and bangladesh he has this unique mindset as well he himself was a very good cricketer so you see yeah, that yeah. you know you are able to then bring that nows you have and the things you have learned by watching and Uh, sort of looking at how champions prepare and perform you are able to bring that attitude and the team can benefit from that now moving on if you are to take some uh, take a look at some of the stories from off the cricketing field first of all wpl it's not really off the cricketing field but it looks like a two horse race for now because um when you look at the table there are two teams one that has won five out of five one that has won four out of five and when you look at the other three one has two wins the others other two have one one win each i mean i dare say today uh, looks like uh, the giants will win because it's going to be a very tight tight game delhi capitals need 13 of 12 but they have one wicket in hand so giants may win this so do you see this as just as a two horse race now mumbai and delhi or do you see uh, maybe rcb who won their first game after a long time and maybe up warriors being <laughs> able to challenge uh, these two teams 
no not really i think uh, mumbai and delhi have branched uh, into the ascendancy far away they are miles ahead in the contest and it it would be very difficult for the other teams to catch up uh, i mean it's been uh, slightly uh, jarring to watch as a viewer how there's been a gulf in the terms of competition how rcb haven't really been able to challenge uh, their adversaries uh, their uh, fortunes have been <laughs> resembling the men's team how mm. rcb go into the ipl so, yeah. but maybe the, like this is a the first edition the inaugural cup mm. and uh, teams are just getting to know each other everyone is just trying to find out the right permutations the combinations t20 is a very mechanical and dynamic game things can really turn on their head in just a span of couple of balls mm. so i think uh, things can little time to settle and uh, maybe mumbai indians are being pushed through by the star power and slowly and steadily other teams might be able to click in unison and then perform better as a well oiled functioning functioning unit let's hope so they'll need that and uh, yeah let's hope they are able to come good at least make a few uh, good performances come up with a few good performances for their fans and let the results fall as they may but for now i see only a mumbai delhi finals and uh, if i were to ask you who would win gut instinct answer i think mumbai indians they clearly look the front runner mm. yeah i think so i agree with you there but i wouldn't write up warriors off if alisa heli and a couple of their stalwarts can come good you know um maybe maybe we may see some upsets but all right moving on david saker has chosen to come back as the england uh, bowling coach he was he was one of those people who probably inspired that bowling related renaissance that uh, england went through around uh, 2010 29 2009 he was the bowling coach at that point in time so he's come back to assist england in their um, in their uh, preparations for the ashes so a uh, lot to look forward to if you're an english fan uh, an ashes here at home right Yeah, and Ajit, a very interesting piece of news I came across recently. So, uh, England, as you know, they've been at the vanguard of technical innovation. They've always been uh, the first to use data and optimize it. So, uh, in the county circuit, they are actually uh, giving the umpires a camera around their waist, which actually uh, calculate the trajectory of the balls, how the release points are, and what mm. is the speed of the bowlers. so having all that data set from the county cricket will help the national selectors make better decisions when it comes to which bowler will be the better fit in a given particular set of circumstances because uh, in the ed smith led select panel data was the crux of their decisions and uh, i read a book by ed smith called making decisions and then he offered a very interesting perspective of how sam karan actually uh, operates as a swarm harmonizer swarm harmonizer is Uh, where a person just by being themselves actually enhances the overall capability of a group mm. so both the averages of james anderson and stuart they average around 25 26 but their averages uh, test bowling averages drop to 18 and 19 when they are bowling alongside uh, karan tandem so it was just a wonderful concept about the depth of their thinking and the analytical approach to it and i'm really looking forward to how david sacker can actually have a say in the whole selection process and england fast bowling prospects uh, they're spin bowling in jack leach although they are uh, struggling to find a, a good uh, complementary bowler to him because they've tried around the likes of dom bess and uh, also joe denley bowled the next bit but haven't really been able to nail that down so maybe they can have a good uh, bowler providing able support to jack leach well rahan ahmed has uh, been putting in the work he's too young yet but uh, who knows maybe he's the guy 
at least not in the longer format but in the shorter format you may see him dom best may come back into the picture for the longer format let's see let's see how things go now um the other piece of news uh steven smith will be captaining australia in the odi series against india it looks like uh, you know australia have had a lot of captains over the past i think india went through this phase for a while with eye injuries and people opting out and so on so now it, it looks like you know pat cummins will stay home so it was uh, initially um aaron finch then josh hazelwood did it for a couple of games then um this guy comes uh, cummins did it then suddenly smith comes in so lot of uh, changes but smith the captain seems to have galvanized that team they finished better in the second half of the bordergaskar trophy so maybe a lot to look forward to if you're an australia fan with smith captaining the odi team yes absolutely ajit uh, actually i was supposed to travel to amdavad to watch the fourth test but then the dharamshala test got shifted to ah. and i live very close by to wow. so yeah i was at the venue i was at the venue for the third test in indore uh it got over in the blink of an eye it's not ideal from fans point of view but i was mesmerized looking at smith and how he went about his captaincy business like taking over the reins from pat cummins who obviously mm. was attending to his ill mother in australia and just the tinkering with the field placements the minute adjustments the bowling changes how he kept shuffling the bowlers how he kept the fresh always on their toes and just the gesticulation he would make to a bowler for warming up and just the little things if you paid close attention to it it was really a trick to watch as a cricket analyst mm of course i mean with all his tics i think you cannot take eyes off him wherever he is whatever he is doing but <laughs> you cannot forget that this is a very very intelligent cricketer very evolved cricketer the way he bats the way he comes up with uh, you know how to control the things around him when he's batting or fielding i think he of course it goes without saying he's also a fantastic captain a couple of uh, quick news about pakistan so first of all pakistan also held a uh, women's exhibition league where uh, two teams played each other and that was very interesting at the same time when psl was held so that maybe we are also gearing up for a women's psl shortly so this is excellent news if you are a women's cricket fan so let's hope this comes through in another news pakistan have made some big changes um, so they have rested uh, what you would consider four or five definite starters in the series against afghanistan because t- taking into account the workload of their uh, players so especially babar azam mohammad rizwan uh, shahin shafridi and fakhar uh, zaman as well as haris rauf all of them have been rested in the t20s against afghanistan so you'll have shadab khan leading you'll have uh, saim ayub and ishanullah who are breakouts in this year's psl in the team and of course imad wasim has been recalled as well so to ask you a blunt question would this give afghanistan a decent chance of winning a series in pakistan do you think yeah actually uh, you could say that because obviously when you're shown of star power team and so many experienced campaigners are suddenly uh, put to the wayside it obviously opens up an avenue uh, for an opposition team to capitalize and uh, afghanistan have shown glimpses of potential because i remember a one off test they played against india as well uh, there were some decent performances there and they have a tendency to punch above their weight so yeah obviously <laughs> it wouldn't be wrong to say that they could latch on to that all right and most afghani players are playing in um, psl currently so they know the conditions very well if they were alien at all to begin with right so yeah, let's yeah, see so the last point is something that happened just moments ago so it's the game between uae and nepal so in this case nepal having one against uae have actually sealed a spot in the odi world cup qualifier so basically what this means is nepal will go ahead of uae and play 
in the 2023 world cup qualifier to be held in zimbabwe but uh, uae will have to okay. go through two rounds one they have to play in namibia and if they make it through they'll go to zimbabwe right so this was sort of a little bit of an upset if you have been following the league 2 cricket and nepal have suddenly stormed yeah. back out of nowhere to take the fifth place in yeah. qualifiers so the other thing in this game the uae nepal game to be held today in kirtipur uh, one of the uae players asif khan made a one day hundred of just 41 balls the tournament has been played where the pitches are a little bit low and slow and they are supporting the bowlers so at uh, a score of 230 or 240 is a decent score on that pitch suddenly uae made 310 thanks to this guy coming in he came in at the 38th over and from that point on he went on to make a 100 very much like what ab de villiers did when he scored the fastest 100 ever in odis right he took 41 balls for 100 he hit 11 sixers apparently i was not i was not lucky enough to witness it i only saw it later but then nepal whom you never write off this is the first thing we realize i'm really looking forward to nepal one day being considered a superpower of cricket in asia because you never write this team off the day is coming very soon by the way because they started a bit weakly so they were 3 for 37 but then their middle order fought back so they had a three consecutive 50s and the opener made a 50 and they were 269 for 6 in 44 overs when rain intervened and at that point in time they were nine runs ahead on duckworth lewis stern so they won the game right so multiple times in the recent past we have seen nepal being rescued by their tail so i think if you are a nepal cricket fan you have plenty to look forward to uh, yes it, uh, considering how saturated uh, top tier international cricket is uh, i do not have the bandwidth to keep an eye on associate cricket and uh, their progress their games but it has been really heartening to see and keep abreast with the developments over twitter and today itself the game you are mentioning i saw some images on twitter of how jam packed the stadium was and it just goes to show how passionate people are about their teams and how cricket is really flourishing in these less known entities and it's just good for the greater globality of the game because uh, we have seen some performances where the teams who were not primed to be favorites they have created upsets for example netherlands beating south africa and eliminating them from the competition so yeah it's a healthy proposition for the world game absolutely all right those are all the news that we wanted to discuss in today's episode thank you very much once again aryan uh, for uh, you know agreeing to do a guest spot on our podcast and it's always uh, been a pleasure to talk to you and uh, i hope we can also host you again for a cup a couple of upcoming episodes sometime in the future but thanks once again thank you so much ajit always a privilege talking to you and hearing you go about the international game your insights are really germane to the topic and it's an absolutely great learning experience just speaking to you over the game well i think you are uh, very um, free with your praise but uh, thank you if i can uh, give you something that you have not heard before i'm very happy to do that so uh-huh. would you like to plug in something would you like to plug about some work you do apart from guerrilla cricket any other blog articles you write and so on i have had some conversations with senior cricket journalists and they have uh, warned me against over dependence on a single in- income skill which actually is writing so recently i have ventured into podcasting as well i have uh, teamed up with a guy from us rupayan savanta a person from pakistan he is a karachi based sports journalist called daniel shah we've been inviting some guests over the past so, so it's called cricket beyond borders and i would just like to plug that in if people find perfect that interesting that would be lovely 
let me look it up i'll probably put the link of that in the notes for our listeners if they want to get in touch Thank with you, you and yeah. hope they can also listen to your podcast and grow it and bless you the same yeah. way they have blessed us we wish all our listeners a good day wherever, wherever they may be listening from thank you once again for your patronage goodbye this is the armchair cricket podcast